Well, I would look at green coffee grading as the same way if you were to buy a basket of strawberries at the market. You you go home and you start to pull out the unripe strawberries, the ones that are a little bruised and mashed, ones that are that don't look good, and then what you're left with are the strawberries that you want to eat. So, green coffee grading is the same thing. You're you're filtering off what you don't want and keeping what you do want. From Humble Coffee, this is Coffee 101, a show about coffee. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and every week, my coffee friends and I are bringing you the absolute best coffee education that you can find out there in the coffee verse. If you're new to the show, I'd recommend rewinding all the way to episode one, where we tackle easy questions like, What is coffee and why do we like coffee? Because Coffee 101 is designed to build your coffee knowledge in chronological order. Coffee 101, go ahead, pat yourself on the back. Your coffee game just leveled up. Season one is about coffee's journey from seed to shelf. On the show today, we are going to be talking about green coffee grading. If you remember from last week, we talked about coffee processing methods. And this week, I have a special guest, Mark Inman from Sustainable Harvest, a coffee importer. And he's like a guru for stuff like that. And in the studio, I have Katie. Hey. What's you up to? Me? Yeah. Not that much. Just sitting down to... Yeah, just sitting next to you. (laughs) Also, I didn't know we were singing for the intro. That was pretty great. Well, I mean, you know, it's just, it's a little impromptu thing. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a good singer, but... No, you're great. Don't ever let anyone tell you any different. (laughs) Well, they can, and they would be telling the truth, because Mm. um, I'm not a good singer, but I'm okay. everyone has their talents. Well, what's your talent? That's a good question. I like to dabble in a lot of things. Yeah. I don't Which know. Which I think is good because, yeah. you know, dabbling, at least you, you figure out, uh, you know, kind of what you are good at mm-hmm. or what your passion is for uh, yeah. and what it's not. Yeah. Um, and some things you never know. I mean, if I had not jumped into coffee, I would have had no idea that there was this rabbit whole of like just crazy knowledge and fun stuff and i wouldn't have met all these great people yeah now you're here to let the people know we're here to to let the 101ers know yeah so we talked about coffee processing methods the last couple of episodes and today we're talking about green coffee grading do you have any idea what the heck green coffee grading is the cool okay i'm gonna i'm gonna guess Okay. An educated guess. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to say that it is, um, I guess, like judgment of the quality of the green coffee bean. Yes. So you're pretty much spot on. Uh, nice. You know, if you look at it in a simple way, that's basically what it is. Is it's, again, we've talked about, we have... The coffee processed, Mm -hmm. we've taken the parchment, that hard layer, off of the bean itself. It can be stored now 
for months nice. and still be considered fresh, um, which you need because it's about to make a journey across an ocean. The sea. Yeah, or it's basically going to go a long way, um, chances are, to wherever it's being imported to. Um, and so it could be like there could be things wrong with it um and and so there's this there's some standards to like what would be considered what would we set aside and say okay this this lot of coffee or this from this farm or this from this uh region is specialty and what's not um do you have any idea why that would even make a difference or why that would be important? Like the quality of the bean? Yes. Um, well, I mean, I guess yes and no. Okay. Yes, because there's a lot of beans in there, and chances are if one is off, it's not going to make a huge difference. But also I feel like for specialty coffee especially, um, everything needs to be like just right pretty much yes and if it's just right um do people pay the same for it or do they oh pay true more people will it? pay more money yes and if people pay more money for the good coffee then more money goes to the families and then if the families have more money their quality in life of life improves and then just goes on from there and they can put more money into the farm exactly and that means Better coffee Better for coffee us. Better coffee for everyone. And so if we, so then it's just like this circle. Chain reaction. Yeah. It the just domino keeps, effect, if you will. <laughs> yes. It just keeps going and going. Um, so, okay. So I'm going to give a scenario and then we're going to jump right into the show. Okay. All right. So let's say you're a farmer mm-hmm. and we've talked about some of this a little bit already, but You've got your processed beans, and they're ready for storage. But once you've put them in a grain pro bag, then into a jute bag, that's like a plastic bag, then goes into that, like, burlap sack, Mm -hmm. you know, looking thing. It's like a Christmas present. You have no idea what's in there unless you unwrap it. True. Which, you don't want to unwrap it. You want to sell it. Mm -hmm. And at the highest price possible. So, you and your farm help have labored through the season. So, now what? This is where green coffee grading helps because you would be able to specify officially if it's specialty grade or not as far as the green coffee grading. Specialty grade, like Katie said, is going to bring a higher price, and that's what we want. But how does one specifically do this green coffee grading? What matters and what doesn't? I'm glad you asked. Today, we have one of the best green coffee graders I know on the show, Mark Inman. Mark works with Sustainable Harvest, a specialty coffee importer, creating an innovative sourcing approach to disrupt commodity-driven coffee trade. They call their approach relationship coffee what does all that mean to you the one on or the consumer it means the farmer has more potential long term to get paid more for their bean helping their quality of life and you get a better cup of coffee which helps your quality of life it's a win-win 
Win-win. Mark, it's great to have you on the show today. It's great to be here. So you are in Northern California. Yes, sir. How in the world did you end up in, or are you originally from Northern California? Yes, born and raised. Uh, I have been here my entire life uh, and has been in coffee for 35 years now. So, And you're um, only 36, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I wish, I wish. <laughs> but you look, I mean, our 101ers out there, they're just listening to audio, but but you look right. look pretty healthy. Well, thank you. I like to try to stay healthy. You know, as you age, you have to be uh, put in the extra effort to keep on top of things. Oh, yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. I'm uh, 43, uh, uh-huh. and I can definitely tell that my body is not what it was 20 years ago. See, I tried to ignore that. I heard from <laughs> a fellow importer when I turned 35. He said, the day I turned 35, I felt my body get older. Yeah. And I, the idea of that terrified me. And so I'm 53 now, and I have still uh, tried to ignore that, uh, those body cues. Gotcha. Well, um, well, you look great for 53, but <laughs> today... We're not talking about you and me. We're talking about green coffee grading. And you are with Sustainable Harvest, mm-hmm. um, which uh, my understanding is kind of a relationship importer, or is that how you would yeah. describe it? Yeah. So uh, traditionally, I mean, we're, for all intents and purposes, we're a regular import company uh-huh. um, uh, for profit. A lot of people that see us from a distance assume that we're an NGO or a um, development group. Um, We do a lot of project work, hence the relationship aspect. Uh, And, uh, you know, my background, I've worked for multinational importers, traditional for-profit importers for a very long time. And I would say the main difference between sustainable and any other importer that, that you may know about is that uh, you know traditionally a, a grower or a cooperative would send us offers and the relationship is transactional. I may buy from you this year. I may not buy from you next year. It just depends on if I have a client interested or, or right. that particular lot. Really, uh, Sustainable has on average been working with the same groups for 15 years. Mm. So that that sense of relationship and that sense of permanence allows us to invest in training and project work and development work um, on behalf of the client. And the client really is the one interacting with the grower. I'm acting merely as a matchmaker and listening to your concerns, having you talk to the grower. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I take the notes and, and make things happen for you. Gotcha. Cool. And part, yeah. part of that um, importing and even uh, for me as a roaster is looking at green coffee grading, which mm-hmm. our listeners, you know, may think, what the heck is he talking about? Um, <laughs> and why is this important to, or what difference does it make in my cup of coffee? Sure. So I'll ask you, why is green, what is green coffee grading and why is it important? Well, I would look at green coffee grading, uh, as the same way, if you were to buy a basket of strawberries at the market, mm-hmm. you, you go home and you start to pull out the unripe strawberries, the ones that are a little bruised and mashed, 
ones that are that don't look good. And then what you're left with are the strawberries that you want to eat. Yeah. So green coffee grading is the same thing. You're you're filtering off what you don't want and keeping what you do want. Now that grade will depend on the client. Some clients, like I've sold uh, coffees to uh, large institutions mm-hmm. that are almost eighty percent defect. Mm. That that because they're paying a price for that. And right. then, of course, you have on the other end of the spectrum, people who want zero defect coffee, who want pristine uh, looking coffee uh, and and are willing to pay for that. And then if you look at things like Hawaii, uh, like extra fancy grade, yeah. uh, you know, they're looking for a specific uh, screen size, you know, mm. that they want big beans all the time. Yeah. And uh, when Mark is talking about screen size, it's the actual um the the literal size of the bean and we have these yes. these fancy little um it's almost like a filter um but for different size or diameter beans um that we're looking for and and as a roaster just as an aside it helps us if we have the same or close to same screen size so that you're not under roasting some beans and and over roasting others correct and you know when you were talking about the strawberries that makes a lot of sense to me because I'm thinking Green coffee grading and getting to the point that we say, okay, this batch or this lot or whatever is specialty grade because it has graded to this specialty level is the same as picking out those those strawberries that you want to put in, we'll say, your strawberry jam, as mm-hmm. opposed to having the strawberries that include those that are overripe, those that were green, um, and you just put them all in your jam, it's it's just going to taste different. Yes, that's correct. And then you have the other side of the spectrum. You know, So you have two things. One is based on spec, and um, the other is based on appearance. So you could have, <clears throat> you know, in the sense of customers who like pea berry coffees, or, or they call yeah. them caracolitos, which is the opposite of a twin and in, in coffee cherries, you basically have twins always being formed. Uh-huh. This is forming one small round bean. Um, a lot of people prefer pea berries because they tend to be denser. They mm. tend to stay fresher longer and they tend to have a little more brightness or acidity. And there are special screens at the mills to just pull out pea berries. Right. Um, and that may have nothing to do with taste or flavor. That is a physical appearance uh, of, of grading. Uh, versus things like removing uh, blacks or sours, which have taste uh, implications on the coffee when you're doing grading. Gotcha. Okay, let's go into the actual technical aspects. So when, whether it's a farmer, exporter, importer, whoever, and we're doing Mm -hmm. green coffee grading, we're starting with a 350-gram sample of green Mm -hmm. and we're looking for, we split them into primary, or we also call them category one defects, yes. and secondary, or we call them category two defects. Um, and just as an aside, just to make things a little more complicated, we have a 100-gram roasted sample where I'm just going to throw this out there, and y'all just kind of keep this in the side of your mind because the the rest of this is going to fall under the actual green coffee grading. You have a hundred gram roasted sample. 
that goes along with this, and you're looking for this. Um, there's it's a it's a bean we call a Quaker, uh, mm-hmm. which we think is probably a um, an unripe um, because a lot a lot of times it just it just gets through the process. Um, and it's just a lighter colored bean after it's roasted. So you can't right. have, for it to be specialty grade, you cannot have a Quaker in that 100 gram sample. Um, do you, Mark, want to talk about and jump into primary defects or you want me to keep going or? No, sure. I'd be happy to. So pr- primary defects are your, your real bad ones uh, that, uh, uh, so you on on specialty grading uh, coffees, you can't have any primary defects involved. Right. So a primary defect uh, going from uh, high intensity to low intensity would be a full black, which is a, um, a basically a, a, a black into uh, for mold or enzymatic problems. A full sour, uh, which is a uh, tends to be a lighter colored but a very sour flavor uh, in the bean mm-hmm. uh, pods and cherries, which is actually just the dried cherry as a whole product uh, added to that uh, large stones. This, these usually stones come from um, concrete. You'll see concrete or, you know, basically patio when you're raking the beans up mm-hmm. uh, then medium stones. And then you have large sticks and medium sticks, but on the, the large stones, you need two of those to equal one primary on the medium stones. You need five to equal one primary Uh, large sticks. You need two to equal a primary and the medium sticks. You need five. And that's just in the 300 grams. You're, you're actually physically picking these out and putting them to the side. And um, just to hit a few of those, I have seen dry cherry or pod in a, like a naturally, or natural processed. Right. Um, I haven't seen one in a washed, um, you know, as a roaster yet. Uh, every once right. in a while, I'll see a full black or a full sour. Um, yes. I don't know if I have seen, um, and we may have talked about this or not, but fungal damage, um, which, uh, you know, I guess is not as common. A fungal damage does happen. It's usually uh, the way they store the coffee in the human environment, usually in plastic. They're storing in plastic uh, for lengths of time. Uh, It does happen, but usually if they have mechanical mills and they're Mm -hmm. not hand sorted, uh, that all gets weeded out. So it's a relatively uncommon uh, defect that you would see. And when you were talking about uh, rocks and sticks, Mm -hmm. what's the craziest like foreign object that you have ever seen a human finger a human finger yes which i fiberglassed i found it it was like mummified in a bag of indonesian coffee no way which probably came off i would assume during milling (laughs) um and we fiberglassed it made it into a necklace and if you were roasting you wore the finger uh, wow but you'll see bullets you'll see coins um you'll see um a lot of concrete you'll see uh, corn kernels a lot of popcorn you'll get it yeah yeah you've seen that um i've seen jewelry 
It will really, um, yep. yeah. So, I mean, roasters keep boxes usually of stuff yeah. they find, but it's like yeah, a, it's found, like our our own little treasure chest, right? Exactly yeah, of really weird stuff, right? Yeah. See, I've I've heard of mummified frogs uh, yeah. being in bags. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. So there's there's roasters that have have talked about some very interesting things that they've found in there. Sometimes you get derailed by bad coffee. Maybe you have to put a lot of cream and sugar in it, and there's that crash afterwards. Maybe it just tastes terrible and puts you in a bad mood, or you drink less of it. Or worse, skip it altogether. Life's too short to drink bad coffee. Just stop it. Humble Source is only the best specialty coffee produced around the world and is consistently ranked one of the best specialty coffee roasters in the U.S. You don't settle in your intentional pursuit of your passion-based goals. Don't settle on the coffee that gets you there. Humble Coffee, only the best for the best. Look in the show notes for a link or go to humblecoffee.com. That's humblecoffee.com. The only other one that I can think of as far as a, um, like a primary or category one defect, a severe insect damage, mm-hmm. um, which what that technically means is that it has three or more perforations yeah entry points on the actual bean itself from usually the coffee berry borer which we've talked about on the show before Mm -hmm. and i don't know if we've talked about before another name is broca broca um, for that are there any other bugs that you can think of no those are the the, that's the main one that you see uh that that gets that broca was actually much more common in Central and South America in the early to mid nineties. And then they started really trapping and, and putting a mitigation, you know, different uh, things in place to, to limit that in Hawaii, it's still a significant problem. So you'll see yeah. CB, what they call CBB coffee berry borer um, as an issue that they struggle with a lot in Hawaii, but in Central and South America, they, they do sticky traps. They do mm-hmm. parasitic wasps. They have various, uh, measures in place to limit uh, the amount of broca involved in coffee. Gotcha. Roya is, seems to be much more of a problem, you know, these days uh, throughout Latin America than 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 coffee berry borer. And what is that now? Uh, Roya, which is rust, leaf rust. Ah, okay, which, yeah, yeah, which you know really tore through uh, Latin America about five years ago, and, and you know, in, in many cases wiped out uh, mm-hmm. heirloom varieties of coffee like Bourbon and Tipica. Yeah. Uh, El Salvador is a prime example of there was a, a, a high uh, concentration of Bourbon variety in um, El Salvador that was wiped out by Roya and they had to replant them with Timor varieties. So Cat Timor would be yeah. one of them uh, that's resistant to rust. And, um, and because of that, El Salvador has lost a lot of its charm because it's, uh, it was the the home of a significant amount of heirloom varieties in, in the same way that Peru is the home to a lot of Tipica uh, yeah. plants, um, that are also being affected by Roya. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, yeah. And, and Timor, which we've talked about on the show, if, uh, people want to go back and listen to, the varieties and varietals and cultivars uh, episodes. Um, Timor, to us specialty coffee drinkers, may not taste as good, but it is more heat resistant yes. and more leaf rust 
resistant. And then you have some of the spinoffs like Catamore, um, mm-hmm. which Mark is talking about here. Um, so, okay, let me see if I, you, you can, um, you can tell me if I get this wrong. So I'm going to just quickly sum up for the primary defects. And when we say primary category one defects, if you have any of these, then that, that then takes it out of specialty. Um, one full black, one full sour, one dry cherry pod, one bean with fungal damage, one foreign body, like a finger, which would be crazy, uh, but usually we see, you know, rocks and little pieces of wood and popcorn, uh, or five beans that have three or more insect damage perforation points on them. Did I miss anything there that you can think of? On the primaries. On the primaries. No. Okay, cool. So let's go to the secondary defects. Uh, So secondary, or we call them category two, you can have no more than five secondary defects. So another way to say that is you can have five secondary or category two defects, but you can't have six. Um, and this gets a little wonky when we're looking at like how many of a certain thing to then call that one category two defect. And so Mark, I'll let you start. So things like parchment, which is the, the layer, what they call paragamino, Uh it's the layer between the green bean and would would normally the mucilage would sit on it. There's a husk, like a, a white uh, husk called parchment. Yep. Um, to equal one secondary defect, you need three, uh, no more than three uh, pieces of parchment. A uh, holer husk, which is what you had referred to earlier, which is the cherry um, uh, pod of the um, of the of the coffee that would be two to three as well to equal one secondary defect broken or chipped beans. These are usually caused uh, in the milling process. Five equals one secondary defect mm-hmm. uh, insect damage. Uh, five would equal one secondary um, insect damage. Um, Partial blacks, these are like half or a quarter or just a piece of the bean uh, is showing signs of, of, of black. You need three to equal one secondary defect. Partial sours is the same thing with three. A floater, which is an immature uh, bean, uh, this would lead to your Quakers that you were talking about earlier. Right. Um, this would be five. Um Normally, this one gets dealt with in when the soaking phase of, of uh, processing, they would be able to remove these. When you see a preponderance of floaters or Quakers, it's usually poor wet processing that causes this. Uh, shell, and this is actually where the bean uh, forms itself in what they call an ear shaped. It's not fully uh, uh, solid. It has this shell shape. Um, it would be five of those to equal one secondary. Yeah. Small stones is one small sticks is one. And then water damage, finally uh, five uh, to equal a one. Gotcha. Okay, cool. 
Um, so let me see if um, just going down my list if there's anything. So with the partial blacks and partial sours, if I'm if I'm right, um, it would be not exceeding half of the seed. Correct. And um, we talked about parchment, talked about floaters. Um, the immature or the unripe is going to have, there's this thing um, we call silver skin uh, that mm-hmm. seems to be more obvious on uh, an immature or an unripe. Um, right. And, you know, if you're looking at 350, you would think 350 grams isn't a lot, but when you're looking at it on a table, it, it's, it's, I think personally, it's easy to miss things like immatures um, or even withered uh, right, beans withered. where they've had like um, uh, the bean hasn't had enough water. Um, right. So it has like a, I believe it's like a nutritional deficiency. Um, it looks like um, it's puckered, like it's uh, dehydrated. It's sucked in uh, with, um, uh, you know, looks like an older person <laughs> wrinkles <laughs> and yeah. whatnot in the bean. Yeah, look, there's an older older person just right there. Exactly. Um, and then you talked about shell, which uh, um, is a genetic defect. Uh, mm-hmm. They also call it elephant ear. Right. See more in SL varieties, I believe, but I've seen it in uh, all kinds of varieties. Um, the hull or husk theoretically can be a hazard in the roaster because it can catch on fire. Yes. Um, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know that it makes a big, big difference But on that. But, um, yes, if it got through to the to the cooling tray, it can make a difference in the cup. Um, and broken, chipped, or cut, I see a lot. Pro- I see more than pro- probably any other secondary defect. What do you think? Yeah, that would be the main one that you would see. And, and um, that – that doesn't mean it would roast. It would roast unevenly compared to the rest of the coffee, but it's not going to impart any taste uh, components other than off roast. That would be the only thing. So right. um, when you buy a lower grade coffee, you usually see a, a larger uh, amount of broken and chipped. And then if you are dealing with large scale commercial roasting, uh, Brazil has a grade called Grinders, mm. which is a hundred percent broken and chipped. Huh. Um, and that, so if you're doing something like cold brew, for example, or um, grind, you know, you're going to end up with a roasted ground product. Mm-hmm. You could have actually a grinder grade from Brazil that tastes like an 82, 83 point coffee, yeah, but is all broken and chipped. And so if you're already going to grind it, why not use that? And the difference in price can be 50 cents a pound. Right. It can be quite, quite high. So it's, it's a good, um, again, you know, they're using all parts of the pig here. Yeah. <laughs> Everything gets used. So sustainable. Um, very sustainable. And um, I've had great grinder grades um, that I've sold for years. Now, the only caveat to dealing with grinders uh, is if you have a perforated drum, you can't yeah. roast grinders because they'll get stuck in the, the perforations and will definitely cause a fire. Yeah. 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 Well, um, a few other things I wanted to go over, make sure we didn't miss, um, especially for those people who might actually be in coffee, um, and, and 
have to sit down at some point and green coffee grade. One thing is don't get fooled by a hole in the end of the bean or seed that's not discolored because it could just be where the embryo like fell out. Right. And I have seen that quite a bit. And, and I, uh, up until I, you know, studied up for, you know, our talk today, um, I would have called that insect damage, but I realize Mm -hmm. now that's not, that's not what that is. Right. Usually the hole will have a darkened ring around it. Yeah. If it's true, if it's a true insect damage versus the embryo. You know, another thing that I was thinking about, and I've run into this before, and again, until until reading up for today, I, I didn't know how to handle this, but I do now, is if a bean has two defects in it, mm-hmm. then you count the one that has the higher impact on the right. cup. So, like, for right. example, a full black is going to have you know, more effect on a cup than uh, severe insect damage. So you don't, am I correct in saying then you don't at all count the severe insect damage, you just count the full black? Yes, that would be the, it would be the higher ranking defect would be the one you count and you would ignore the other. It could have four entry points in there theoretically, but the full black is going to be uh, reign supreme there on that count. Yes, Uh, and then, malformed or misshaped beans are not defects and and I'll, right. I'll i'll be honest with you i have when i have graded for like competitions um i have trouble telling those from like withered beans right that's a tough one because they they do have similar characteristics and yeah. i've made that mistake numerous times yeah um and the actual color doesn't, if I'm correct, doesn't make a difference on the 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 green coffee grading, but it is part of it is one of the aspects that we talk about with the coffee going in in definition from what we'd call like a blue green color. Mm-hmm. I think all the way down to uh, a whitish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not used in the actual uh, green grade report, but it's certainly something you should note as a buyer. Um, too dark of a of a jade green could equal high moisture if you're not you're not using a moisture meter, and uh, too light uh, can equal um, low moisture, which or low water activity, and that in itself can be. Um, something to be concerned about. So, you, you know, you want a moisture meter, uh, you know, test your coffees as well. Mm-hmm. And you would want to check water activity if possible. Gotcha. Now, one last question or thought that I had, uh, just looking at green coffee grading in general, you can have in a 350 gram sample quite a bit of defects that could make a difference in the actual cup itself. Mm -hmm. And then you could have, um, we'll say one full sour that could make that same equivalent defect in a cup or no, 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 let's not say full sour. Let's say one, um, we'll say fungal damage or, or yeah, we'll say fungal damage. I -hmm. feel like, and I could be wrong. I feel like that, 
depending on what it is, that you could have way more difference in the taste of the cup on a, a lot that has several secondary defects but does not kick it out as far as it not being specialty versus sometimes just the one and done or what I'd call throwing the baby out with the bathwater right. of the primary defects. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The primaries compared to what you could potentially have in the secondary, um, I just wonder if, if they completely match up. No, they don't because for um, for you to have a noticeable taste difference out of secondaries, you would have to have, you know, again, like three partial blacks or yeah. um, three partial sours to where it would really become apparent versus, you know, one fungal damage, uh, you know, one full black, one full sour is extremely noticeable in one of the cups if you're using uh, you know, uh, you know, it will taint, uh, you know, multiple beans of coffee as far as it won't be diluted in the cup. You'll, that becomes very apparent. Yeah. And for anybody who's cupped a, uh, or who has brewed for that example at home, coffees from Burundi or Rwanda with the, what they call the potato defect. Yeah. It is a pungent defect that you can taste. You could smell when you open a pound of the coffee. It's mm. extremely, um, uh, potent, uh, versus, a uh, you know, a partial black or a partial sour is not as, uh, apparent. Okay. Gotcha. And I have heard and know of the potato defect. I have not had the opportunity to personally to catch that one yet. I want to, like, I would love <laughs> to, I would love to catch it sometime, but, but I haven't. Um, well, yeah, it's, uh, if you do enough for a wand in coffee, it's a matter of when, not if you, you will come across it. Gotcha. I think I have, actually, I know that the coffee I'm currently drinking is from Rwanda. So, hmm. so maybe I'll get lucky or unlucky. Yeah. yeah unlucky more likely. <laughs> well, listen, it's great talking to you about green coffee grading today. Um, tell us a little bit more about sustainable harvest. Well, Sustainable Harvest uh, is now uh, 25 years old. Uh, It started uh, as a company called Aztec Harvest based in Oaxaca, Mexico, and expanded uh, beyond that. Um, We um, work with over 75,000 farming families in a a relationship model. And um, And you know them uh, all by name, right? (laughs) No, unfortunately, (laughs) I don't. Personally, but I was actually a customer of Sustainable. I was a roaster for 18 years cool. uh, in Northern California here and uh, was a customer of Sustainable Harvest. So I have, a, a, a you know, going back to there when I, Dave Griswold was selling coffee out of the trunk of his car, I would buy it for my, yeah. my roasting company. Um, they uh, have numerous uh, events they, they host. We just returned from Europe where we were there for 16 days taking next generation farmers throughout Switzerland and Italy to meet uh, roasters that uh, we cater to. We hold an event every year called Let's Talk Coffee, which mm-hmm. uh, is um, similar. It's a retreat where um, roasters from all over the world will uh, meet all of their suppliers and be involved in discussions and events and activities yeah. together over a four day period. And uh, this year's let's talk coffee. Well, actually it's going to be February of 2023 will be in the Copan ruins of Honduras. So every year cool. they try to do it in a, 
a different category. And roasters uh, participate. There's uh, Cafe Mystique in Canada hosts a big barbecue every year that they actually, you know, grill all the meats and, yeah. and provide dinner for everybody. And, and people, you know, have uh, participate uh, in, in different items that they uh, they enjoy doing at Let's Talk Coffee. But I've been to, I think, eight of them. Uh, they're, they're wonderful events. So um, and then we do a lot of MVP trainings for our supply channel. So we're doing a training coming up here uh, in Mexico where we're going to be working on uh, regenerative organic uh, training. Awesome. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I have a friend, John Lawrence, with um, uh, Mudhouse Coffee in Charlottesville, mm-hmm. Virginia. And I know he's been on one of those uh, Let's Talk Coffee retreats and uh, and said it was was a good time and um, great to like directly meet, you know, and talk to some of the farmers. Absolutely. And I'm actually, I'm on your, I'm on the website right now mm-hmm. and uh, I am looking at and uh, pretty excited about, there's a East Java anaerobic natural. Yes. Um, and uh, I actually, uh, before we got on, put myself on the notify when available list because it looks like, and I, I'm, I'm one who I tend to like those naturals and especially as right. we start getting into these anaerobic things. Right. Um, so um, I may get that and see if we can roast that up. It looks like it'd be a great coffee. Yeah, there is, I believe that coffee is still available. Um, that comes from a group of young uh, kids from Java. They're young. I mean, young, they're in their twenties. Uh, they're not like in their fifties or they're no, not no, not in their fifties. Uh, but they are, um, what went to UC Berkeley. Yeah. We decided to return back home to Java and start this micro, uh, uh, micro lot project they do with numerous communities there in Java. So you'll see, um, lactic naturals and yeah. anaerobic naturals and carbonic maceration. And they've learned all these techniques and they, they were quite popular during the lockdown when we first met them mm-hmm. uh, and everybody was desperate for connection. We would send out these, we sent out these kits, uh, six samples mm-hmm. in a box and it had a QR code for um, a Kawa roaster. If you had one, you could yeah. scan it yeah. and it had the roast profile. That's awesome. And then we did a live zoom cupping with 70 roasters and Kenny and, and Ivan from uh, Java who we all cupped these coffees together. So you got to see everyone's cupping lab and like where they're, where they're working during the lockdown yeah. and then have a dialogue with the, the kids from Java direct. And um, it was wildly successful. And we've been carrying that product for three years now. And um and, and it's just been, they're fantastic coffees. They're really wonderful. Well, listen, it was great to have you on the show today. Mark Inman from Sustainable Harvest. Thank you. My pleasure. I really enjoyed interviewing Mark. Um, I had heard him on some other podcasts earlier uh, talking about green coffee grading. And I was like, I've yeah. got to have that guy on. Yeah. I learned a lot from that interview. He clearly obviously knew his stuff. Yeah, he did. He's been in the industry for quite a while. Um, You know, he was a roaster before he got into where he is now. Um, And he just enjoys what he does, and he brings a lot of knowledge uh, to the table. So that's it for our show today. I thought it was good. Yeah, it was really good.
Well, 101ers, I'm Kenneth Thomas and was joined in the studio today by Katie, one of my very special <laughs> coffee friends. Yeah. And I just want to personally say thanks so much for listening to the show. It, it really means a lot. Yes. Uh, we love you guys. Yep, we do. Uh, if you haven't already, go now and subscribe to Coffee 101 on the podcast app of your choice. That way you'll always have the latest episode at your fingertips. If you love the show, leave us a rating. We read every single one and uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. And if you have a specific topic you would like for us to discuss, just let us know in that review or you can DM us on Instagram. Head to the website, humblecoffee.com or follow us on social. It's easy to find us. Just look up Humble Coffee on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You've been listening to Coffee 101. I look forward to our next show. Now, go out in the world and make great coffee. Love y'all. Love you guys. Bye.